everybody, and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. And there's something pretty cool about being Evan Kale, who is the pawn man <laughs> on Instagram. I'm not even sure how I came across your feed, but once I did, I was hooked on all things pawn. Welcome to the program, Evan. Thank you so much for having me. And I have to clarify, it's kind of funny. I go by pawn man, but I don't do pawn. So I'm actually, it's funny that uh, you bring that up right away because I'm actually not a pawn broker. I don't actually do pawn. It's its own animal. I just go by the name Pawn Man because the internet started calling me that and I just kind of ran with it. It's kind of one of those like hidden facts that you're like, really? But yeah, pawn's its own kind of thing. I just happen to like the name Pawn Man and well, now it's, it's stuck. Well, that's so weird because you tell people in your Instagram all about like, things like coins and things that you would pawn and things that might make a good pawn. So how did you get started? So this whole, this whole story starts right before the pandemic in 2019, I was turning 30. I'd spent my twenties trying to become a writer. It was a hill that I basically had died on. I was working in restaurants as a waiter and the whole starving artist thing was losing its cute factor. And my friends were all, you know, growing up, getting married, buying houses, having, and like, like I live in an apartment and I go home at 2 a.m. from shift. I'm half drunk. I'm falling apart. It it was not a good luck. So I got a tip from my dad. He came to see me in March of 2019. Uh, My parents don't live in the cities. So my dad was visiting and he went and stopped at a local gold and silver business uh, before coming to see me. And there's this gentleman that he had been buying uh, coins, gold, silver bullion from for years and years and years. And he said, Evan, I just saw the guy's name. He's looking for an apprentice. He told me he's desperate for a young person. I thought, gold and silver, the guy with all the taxidermy, so like deals with like militia people. No, that's crazy. It's like doomsday prepper stuff. But about a week later, I got, I just, again, working in this restaurant was just grinding me out. And this was like my like 10th restaurant in three years that I was working at. So it's, sure. just, it's not a sustainable lifestyle. And I like wanted something better. And I just got so frustrated one day. I found myself in the back parking lot calling this guy saying, Hey, I hear you're looking for someone I'm interested. So I met with him and he was very hesitant and he had a, it's him and his girlfriend and like a couple of associates that were there that like kind of come and go. Uh, he was interested. The girlfriend was not, she, I guess they had a bad experience with somebody else. So they, you know, they said, we need time to think. And I said, okay, well, look, I'm interested in doing this. I see you're not online. Like walking into the guy's store. It was like walking into a time capsule from the 1980s. You know, it's like not on the internet even. Uh, it's like, look, I've done eBay. I In my early 20s, I used to work at Macy's Men's Shoes and I started a business buying and selling shoes using my employee discount. <gasps> and uh, $40,000 later in profits, I got fired. I got written up in, in oh, some tabloid recently wrote an article about me doing that. But yeah, so like I had experience with eBay and like, you know, I told them about this and other eBay businesses that I've run. And a couple months go by. And in the meantime, I'm studying everything I can about gold, silver, coins. I read the Pawn Star Guys book. You know, I'm just devouring information, trying to learn about this. So I go and meet with him in the early summer. And he says, you know, I'll hire you part-time. We'll try this out. So in the mornings, I was so poor back then, you know, three years ago, so poor, I didn't have a car. So <laughs> I would go rent a scooter, like, you know, those like standing scooters. Sure. I'd go find one. The competition was on some mornings to get one. Uh, I'd go find one, hop on it ride over to his store in St. Louis Park, and then at three, get back on the scooter and ride to the restaurant and work until 1 a.m. And this was what I was doing 
all this summer is just grinding me out. But I started learning about this business and I immediately noticed that it had an intrigue factor. In fact, one of the first deals that we did, uh, this young girl walks in and she's got a bunch of teeth. It looks like she went grave robbing. Ew. And I'm like, whoa, what are we doing here? And and the old man's like, well, here, you, there's gold in them. So we go in the back and we hammer them out, like put them in. It's just gnarly. And I'm into oh. this gnarly kind of stuff. So this is this is fascinating. So all this summer, I learned the business. Um, and I also went to Las Vegas when I turned 30. It was in August. And I went to the Pawn Stars store. Yep. And just being in the store, looking around, realizing they're not selling gold here. That's not how they're making money. They're not, they're not making money on pawn loans. They're making money on merchandise because they turn their store into a tourist attraction. So I was so smitten with their business strategy and just how successful that they were doing what they were doing, how innovative it was. I left thinking, okay, there's something to this somehow. And so I started looking on the landscape of social media when I got back. I also got hired full-time at the end of the summer. So I got a pay increase. I was getting 700 bucks a week, which was more money than I never made before working Monday to Saturday, but just learning, devouring uh, listing all this guy. This guy had so much stuff too. He just like, it was like a time capsule. And I just like through eBay, I'm selling lots of stuff, but I'm also thinking, okay, social media. So I'm looking out and I'm seeing that there's, there's nobody in the space. It's all boring old people that have no charisma on camera and, and just don't know how to make good content or present it in a good way. And meanwhile, I have been trying to succeed on social media for years. Uh, I tried YouTube. I had like a talk show that went bust. This was $10,000 I lit on fire. Uh, I wrote and produced a short film. Another $10,000 I lit on fire. I've worked on music videos. My background was in screenwriting. That was the first kind of writing I tried to get into. So I have like some background in entertainment and like I have been making content. I know how to film stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I want to do something. So I bought an expensive camera and then the pandemic hit and I downloaded TikTok and I started just, just my name, Evan Kale making comedy stuff. And the first comedy stuff I made, like PG-13 comedy, that didn't go anywhere. And I started to realize the shamelessness is what TikTok, that's what you do on TikTok. So then I just said, you know, screw it. I'm going to just tell all my worst jokes. And boom, I picked up 100,000 followers like that. Suddenly I had a big internet following. And from there, uh, as the pandemic hit, the audience got bigger. And I would occasionally between jokes, start making videos about my job. And I noticed they were getting a lot of hits, the videos about my job. And again, there's nobody online doing this kind of stuff. There's no face. There's no personality for gold, silver coins. So I started thinking, okay, well, maybe there's some there's something here. So I start tr- strategizing. I want to do a YouTube show. And what was going on was the store that I worked at, the old man and his girlfriend would go to their cabin on the weekends. And the girlfriend would fight me on everything, everything I wanted to do. And like this woman, like, didn't know anything about the business. She would just treat it as like a hangout club and, you know, want her opinion to matter. So I thought, okay, I want to do something on YouTube. She's going to say no, but I know it's a good idea. I'll just do it when they go away to their cabin. I'll bring a camera and record a video one day and upload it. And it was the first episode of what I was then calling Evan Kale's a pawn star. And it got way more hits than anything I've ever put on YouTube. And all the comments were, we want more of this. We want more of this. And it's like, okay, well, this is it. So I started that whole summer, every Friday, Saturday, when they'd be gone, I'd make a new episode of the show It was once a week. And the audience just started to take off and I didn't tell them about it. It started to get bigger and bigger. And it's like, okay, I got to tell them about it. Cause people started coming into the store saying the pod guy on, on the internet, you know, they weren't calling me pond man then. And then one of my followers started calling me pond man. And I just thought, oh, one history channel might sue me. I, uh, Evan Kale's a pond star is a bit risky. So I need a better name too. pond man. What a name. Oh yeah. Let's run with that. 
And at the at the about the same time, this is now in the fall of 2020. Um, I made a TikTok account for Pawn Man, mostly because it was getting a little schizophrenic, telling terrible, terrible, dark, awful jokes. And then here's some wholesome education about gold and silver, you know, between the videos. So I made a, a Pawn Man account. And at this point, I, uh, we were at the old man's cabin. It was me and him and his girlfriend. We went to go shut it down. Like this is the end of October 2020. It's like, well, I got to tell him about it now because it's getting too big to hide. And it's I definitely I'm definitely onto something here. So I told him about it and he was thrilled and she was pissed and she wanted me to shut it down. And I was like, well, hang on a sec here. This is hard to do. And I've already got like a base level audience. I'm not it's not, I'm not going to throw it away. I'll turn it to sales. So I start using the TikTok page to start promoting items we have for sale. And I say, you know, just message me on Instagram or message me on TikTok and you know, Venmo, Cash App, Zelle, PayPal, and boom, it it it's a hit. We're selling suddenly. We're selling like a ton of merchandise. Uh, by the end of the year, the the internet content that I was driving in for business was bigger than their business it, itself, like like almost like double. <laughs> but the bigger it got, the more irate the girlfriend got, and it started to get ugly. And suddenly, they want me to buy their business for a quarter million dollars. They're like shaking me down. And it's like, you guys took me in off the street like 18 months ago. I was so poor. I didn't have a car. Like, where, where do you think I'm going to get a quarter million dollars? So right. I was down to try to make it work, but the deal kept changing and the terms kept changing. And it turned into, it was 150 K for just the name of the business, nothing else. And it was like, I, I saved your business from COVID. I've done so much. I've done nothing but work hard. And like, you're just like treating me like crap and trying to ring me out for every penny I'm worth. And like, I just, I just think that it's better for me to go off on my own at this point. So I did. I quit and opened up my own store in April of 2021. Uh, they kind of laughed me out the door. And yeah, I, I, ever since, I mean, this, this business is now like the number one gold and silver business in town. Um, I have the most Google ratings. I've you know, taken some customers from them. So, you know. Sure. But, and you're uh, still the pawn man, but you don't pawn. Yep. But what I do is buy and sell. And the difference is... Pawn is like a loan for poor people. It's the best sure. way. I mean, it's kind of a mean way to put it. Those are literally Rick Harrison's words in his book. It's a, it's a bank for poor people. Yep. You have something that you want to pawn, whatever it may be. Uh, you bring it to a pawn shop. They assess a loan value on it. And the interest incurs by the week, by the month. It's up to the shop. But when the, and when the pawn shop acquires it, there's a lot of paperwork. They have to register the item with the police. They have to let it clear. They have to let it sit on their shelf for four weeks before they can do anything with it. And then you have X amount of days, usually like 90 days to pay the item back or else they can just sell it. Maybe it's less. I forget me. I just buy and sell comes in. I offer a cash price. Um, you know, if it's a certain, like, you know, somebody comes in here, like a hundred thousand dollars in gold, there's like forums and stuff to be done, but uh, I own it outright. It is mine. Yep. So from there, you know, I can sell it. I don't have to register it with the police. It's just mine to own and sell. So that's the only difference. And the fact that I'm, buying the weird historical items that I am, because I mean, it's like, I basically have created a version of Pawn Stars meets Antiques Roadshow on YouTube. And as I buy any kind of collectible just for the sake of featuring it and showing it using it as an educational device, because I have such a huge audience, pretty much anything I buy, I can sell. There's a buyer for almost anything. I almost never am stuck with stuff. It's pretty amazing story. I have found myself just in your virtual world, learning so much about the coins and just what is collectible and what to look for. And I, 
I mean, it's just crazy that this is all like a happy accident. It is totally a happy accident. Uh, my dad's a little bit of a coin celebrity. He it was a little infamous. There's a federal case. He went to prison in the 80s for um, quote unquote mail fraud. He discovered a kind of rare coin that back then wasn't recognized and today is recognized. So basically, he just got the book thrown at him for no good reason. Um, but he's well known in the coin community and growing up around him, he would always show me coins, but like I never took an interest in it. I always thought it was just kind of silly. Like I said, there's there's a big misconception that this industry is full of conspiracy theorists and doomsday preppers. I mean, don't get me wrong. It does have its fair share. I do. I do interact with some pretty crazy people. That's the joy of, of uh, my YouTube show. But for the most, I mean, it's simple economics and it's amazing how few young people know anything about this. And that's where I come in. I mean, that was a perfect opportunity for me was capitalizing on the fact that, that social media was lacking information on this, particularly in a charismatic, uh, you know, acting kind of person like I am. Like, I've always been good in front of a camera. I just naturally know how to talk and shine and, and be theatrical. Now, so you're selling commodities, basically, mm -hmm. and you've, you're teaching people about commodities through your channels. It does have an air of almost like it lacks legitimacy, but I don't quite know why that is because it's really no different than if you were trading in tennis shoes right? or all the other stuff that we see on the internet. Because it's more of an olden kind of thing, like people who buy bullion, you know, that was like what people did like a hundred years ago. And like the people who do that now, it's less and less. Part of that does have to do with the fact that FDR uh, ordered a gold confiscation in 1933 and put a lot of taboo around owning gold that kind of never went away. It forced private citizens to liquidate almost all their gold. You couldn't hold. I think it was more than five ounces. It was illegal mm -hmm. to hold. Uh, there's rumors that the IRS was raiding vaults, like treasury vaults, like looking for people's gold. Didn't happen. Uh, people say you can't store your bank in a gold because of that. That's not true. But there's an ambiance, like I said, of you know uh, crazy people that buy this kind of stuff. And the fact is, it's just it's simple economics. It is recognized by the entire world as being a store of wealth, gold and silver and platinum. Uh, Russia just pegged its ruble to gold to stop the bleeding. And they did they did that because the whole world recognizes gold. Uh, the only thing, in my opinion, that's going to screw it up is space mining. But that's 100 years out, at least. What are we going to be selling that is mined in space? Uh, you know, like there's diamonds are abundant in space. Gold's abundant in space. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. Diamonds are not nearly as rare as De Beers wants you to believe they are. Well, and if you think about just diamonds in general and how it was basically a gigantic marketing campaign, a brilliant marketing campaign, but... A diamond is forever. De Beers invented that. It's the greatest marketing campaign probably in history. It's a massive scam. Let's talk about content creation and social media because a lot of your platform is content creation and these platforms in social media change quickly. So Instagram has gone from, you know, being primarily a photo arty site to now they're trying to be more of a video driven site with reels. Mm -hmm. YouTube has always been video driven and people can make quite a bit of money being a content creator on YouTube, but it's hard to, if you don't have some technological savvy to put all this together and the time it takes to edit. And you, you seem like you're just solidly a content creator. That's almost using this as your medium, but it could be any medium. It is enormously hard to do what I do. I'm running a business in a 
very untraditional sense because the business, in my opinion, as the owner and, and the strategist revolves around the content creation. This business would have gone under. I had no walk-in traffic for the first two months I was open, almost nothing, bleeding money, but I was turning product using social media. Uh, and I have to do that. That is what keeps the wheels grinding here. I'm getting a lot of walk-in traffic now, but I still have days like any other store where like nobody will come in. However, I'm busier than hell online because I made a video about something. So it's a great, it's a very effective tool. Unfortunately, it is very time consuming. And by trying to check all boxes and bases, I, I work like 80 hours a week, at least I like, I don't have time for like anything else. Like I have an apartment and I sleep in it and not much else because I'm just, I'm always at my store here. I'm here almost every day. You, you have to make something every day. You have to. If you don't, the algorithm will punish you. Um, so it is a grind and you can't make too much because then the algorithm thinks you're just throwing stuff to a wall and hoping it sticks. There's a way to do it. I release generally three TikToks a day. I space them out, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one when I'm done at the end of the day. I copy my TikToks. I, I use a, a cropping software to crop the watermark out. And then I repost them on reels. I have discovered that that has been an enormous, you know, it's, it's hard to reshoot your content and reels is frankly kind of hard to make videos on. It's, it's just more tedious than TikTok is like what I like about TikTok is very simple. Like I can put a video together in like 10 minutes or less, but then I have my YouTube show and YouTube I know is the golden goose. Cause once I have a massive following, the revenue I generate from that will run this business. I, I, you know, it'll pay my rent and my employees and me and then some. So, but it's pushing a boulder up a mountain, getting people to jump from platform to platform, like getting, uh, what am I at on TikTok? Over 210,000 now. And getting them to jump to YouTube is enormously hard. And what's frustrating is the YouTube content does take the most time. Um, and I have a professional editor at Patreon. Without Patreon, this wouldn't have worked because I, I was a, an episode of uh, Pawn Man when I was editing it myself. Start to finish th shooting the whole thing. Full day of work, at least full 24 hours. Right. Um, so it's so enormously hard. And on top of that, TikTok does not pay fair revenue to content creators at all. I make maybe $2 a day on TikTok. I get, you know, millions of views a month. I make about $10 a day on YouTube. I, like I said, I've got 210K on TikTok and I'm at 13K on YouTube. Right. So it just goes to show you the scale of pay. So when you mentioned Patreon, you made a comment about how you use that for editing. I don't understand that because people follow people donate you to me. Yeah. And, and I use that money to pay an editor. Got it. Okay. So my YouTube video. Yep. I just export it. He lives in Canada. Uh, I think he's like 19 or 20. And yeah, he does a great job. I've been working with him for over a year now. Why do you think people pay you on Patreon? Because I asked for it. Because <laughs> I said, look, you guys, like, I can't humanly keep editing this. This is killing me and doing all this stuff. Like, I need help. And yeah, I've got, there's 75 people that donate to me. I get about 900 bucks a month. I mean, I don't make any money on it. All the money goes back into the show, but it's uh, enormously helpful. And it shows me people care. I also like, I've been getting more and more followers coming in wanting to take pictures with me. And I've been getting like gifts too. Like people have been like sending me gifts to say, thank you for all the, all the knowledge you bestow. What do you, yeah, because people are learning about collectibles and learning about gold and silver and and that is, you know, if you're learning something, people do want to repay you for that learning. Can you give me an example of something you bought that had a huge upside that you had no idea when you first bought it? Yeah, I buy counterfeit currency. I'm very interested in like during the Civil War started, I bought one on accident and I learned about it. And now I've been uh, buying different currency notes that are counterfeit that are like famous and talking about the history behind them. I most, uh, the most famous one and most expensive one I recently acquired and sold 
It's called the female writing deer note. There was this guy in Pennsylvania in the civil war that started making counterfeit currency as an FU to the, the South. But the notes that he made were really good. So good that people were bringing them down and spending them in the South. And it became like a war effort operation of his, like what started as kind of a joke. He made 1.5 million counterfeit notes and his notes were so abundant upwards of 4% of the currency in the Confederacy was counterfeit from him. And it caused him enormous damage economically. And it's a big, it's a reason why the union won the war was what this guy did with these counterfeit notes. So I had one and I made a video about it and bought it and sold it. But like, yeah, this whole counterfeiting thing that I've been learning about is really interesting. And like, you know, the secret service, the secret services involvement in counterfeiting. Do you know much about that? A lot of people don't. A little bit. Yeah, it's it's one of their main duties is catching money counterfeiters. And that's just so interesting because you think of Secret Service, you think, you know, taking a bullet for the president, not not arresting people who make counterfeit $5 bills. I think there was a whole scene about that in the movie Blow. Probably. Uh, I've been watching Good Girls on Netflix. And that's that's about that. And, you know, they have the Secret Service after them. Yep, yep. Um, is there a collectible that you think people just as a category, people should be on the lookout for that? It'll be something down the road. Uh, it's really hard with collectibles. You've got to know what you're doing. Um, I think we're going to see all sets, all assets start to rise, uh, especially gold and silver and like weird collectibles that are in very niche. And that's just because I think we're in for economic doom coming up here. Uh, I think gold and silver are just going to take off in value and we might mm-hmm. see some very interesting things happen with the collectibles market. As far as items that might be undervalued, um, it's you really got to do your research. It's kind of hard. I mean, it sure. can go either way. Apparently I, I, uh, I bought a $1,500 watch over the weekend and I sold it to a watch expert. I do a lot of business with for 2000. And he, we were talking watches this morning and he said, yeah, the Rolex market is way down. What it, isn't it wide open? I, I just heard that it was way up. No, it's snapped. Now it's down. So they go up and down. That's the thing with collectibles. And do you feel any way about cryptocurrency or Bitcoin? <laughs> Ha! Funny you'd say that. So yes, I am a I am a proponent of cryptocurrency. It is part of how I was able to open my business. I bought some Ethereum during the pandemic, and I sold it February of last year. God, I made like fifteen grand, something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, it was great. But then I reinvested, and my twelve thousand was worth like twenty thousand last summer. And I was like, I'm going to hold it. I bet it's going to go to. And yeah, no, I sold it for six, and I'm glad I did because I would have gone like basically gone to zero. Crypto, you got to be careful. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of these coins are scams. I don't give advice on cryptocurrency. Um, I just speculate on it, but I don't feel comfortable giving out advice on it. You know, you really got to be careful. You can make a million dollars overnight, or you can lose all of it. And you're kind of that kind of risk taker that you're going to make some money and you're going to lose some money. Can you tell me about a time where you lost money and you were just sick to your stomach? Yeah, I, uh, this is why I don't buy art. The art world is difficult. It is. There's so many forgeries. You, again, have to know what you're doing. Same thing with sports cards. It's its own area, um, both with sports cards and art. I have made buys that I did terribly on. I bought uh, these beautiful uh, lithograph prints from an artist named Olaf Wigros last year. I had five of them come in. Uh, they were just stunning. I saw on eBay, they were three to 500 a piece. I paid 500 for the five. I sold four of them for 200. And I was, I, one of them I liked, and I was like, well, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to hang it up. And it's a lesson to not buy arts. Same thing with sports cards. I spent 500 bucks. I got 50. I think I got totally fleeced on it. So I now don't buy sports cards. 
Yeah. Well, you're a really engaging human. Is because you were in the restaurant business. Uh, what are some of your favorite restaurants in town? Oh, that's a good question. I've not been asked that. Um, I really like, it's kind of a bougie answer. I like the Capitol Grill. I always have a nice, nice experience there. Um, I also <laughs> it is a bougie like, answer, but I would agree with you. It's like one of the chains that's just solid. Yeah. Uh, I really like Moscow on the Hill. It's kind of a bad time to be pop, propping up a Russian restaurant, but no, every time I go there, I have a good time. They've been here over 25 years. Yeah. I mean, I go out quite a lot too. Uh, a recent one that I've been enjoying is it's called La Taviola. It's in uh, Uptown, Italian food. Been I've had a couple dinner parties at my house and it's been uh, nice to... It's been good food. Where do you want people to come and visit you in the store? I don't even know where you're located. I'm at 4825 Minnetonka Boulevard. St. Louis Park Gold and Silver is the name of my business. I'm open 10 to 5 Monday to Friday, noon to 3 on Saturday. Sundays is appointment only. I'm usually there on Sundays just because I work like, even if it's been like a rough long Saturday, at some point I'll crawl out of bed on Sunday. Like, well, I gotta go package orders. Is there anything in particular that you're looking for that you want to buy right now? I'd love to just get my hands on more metals. Gold, silver, I'm paying above spot generally. Um, it's one of those things you got to read the room, but I lately just with how crazy the markets have been, because the price right now in metals is down and it's a bunch of monkey business. In my opinion, um, I think it's artificially manipulated. I can't back it up. I'm just speculating, but it's very cheap right now to get metals. So, but people aren't selling for spot. They're demanding over the market price. And when I first entered into this industry, I've seen some weird things happen over the last three years. And again, I've only been doing this for three years. People think I've been doing it for a lot longer. But the markets have just gone into like this weird toxic shock after COVID that never got better. And as a result, you're just, you're just seeing some very funky prices, like with what's going on with the car market right now, with real estate, with goods rising. Uh, also in the stock market, I think that's being reflected too. Because Yeah, I pulled all my money out. Uh, I Again, I don't give stock advice, but just if you guys want to know what I did, I took literally all my money out because I don't trust it. Uh, but no, like I said, though, with, with metals, I usually have to pay over the market price. And that's very strange because when I first started, I was paying under. Right, right. Well, it's been really a joy to talk to you. You're a very interesting entrepreneur. I hope you'll come on the program again. I would love to come back anytime. I love just talking to interesting content creators and you're doing a great job. Thanks, Evan. Thank you. Yeah. You guys go check out my YouTube channel. It's my golden goose that I'm not getting enough views on yet, but it's starting to finally move. All right. And they can find you. It's Pawn Man on YouTube. Yep. Correct? Pawn Man. Yep. Just type in Pawn Man on YouTube. My videos will come right up. I release new videos every Thursday. Um, there's Pawn Man and then there's Between the Pawn. It's like kind of a half-ass Pawn Man because I put so much work into the show. It's basically it's like every other week and then you get uh, more of like a vlog style thing. Uh, the off weeks. All right. We will uh, make sure that we put links to that in the show notes. Thanks for your time today. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Bye-bye.